0: This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Thank you. Say I'm sorry to the online people. You know, how do we speak to something where it actually becomes this life-giving truth? Not a truth that proves that I'm right and you're wrong. Not a, not a truth that kind of draws a line this way, bad, but a line that draws a line this way, going we're all mixed, we're all in it together. How do I start to move through that? That's what I want to talk about today. What does that life-giving honesty? What does that life-giving honesty actually look like? How can we have it in our lives? How can we have it function? How can it work? We we'll start with this with this basic idea on this side here. It's a little review of what we did last week. If you take a look at what we did last week, it shows up there about some of the challenges that we have around around just this basic flow. That, that evil leads to fear, which leads to anger, which leads to distortions, which lead to contempt, which lead to outrage, which leads to self-indulgent fantasies. And we talked about that, like with those self-indulgent fantasies, how that's what leads... Can you hear me now? All right, there we go. I feel like a lounge singer now with this, with this thing. Just a little number for you folks first before I preach. That's a really bad idea. The, so so, so we, we can see this. We can see this kind of this flow of how things work. And, and that means this, folks. You ready? If, if evil leads to distortions, that means evil is not the presence of something. Evil is actually, who can fill in the blank? Evil is actually the absence of something. Just in the same way, the definition of darkness, darkness is simply the absence of light. That's it. So how is it that we move through those things in a time period w- that it feels like there's so many distortions? And one of the biggest challenges, and I really do believe this, is, is we have put social media as the central story in many of our lives. And we all know, please say yes, not everything you read on the Internet is true. We do know that. But but we've, we've organized our whole lives around it. I mean, even as a pastor, I, I find like, Lots of people, like just somebody yesterday, like, Chaco, you should go off to the golf online, off of Facebook, everything. But, but so much of our congregation is online. And so how do we do that? How do we move these pieces together? I don't have easy answers. But I know this search for truth is important because we don't want to get to a point, as this New Yorker cartoon has, where we are questioning everything. Take a look at this cartoon. Let's save all your questions about the story's veracity until after it's over. You know, where we can just, where we can take that, that pursuit just too far. Now, I want to start out by saying, look, folks, the human condition. Has everyone in here told at least one lie? And you better all say yes. Yes, you all have. We all have. And it's important is, is, to look at that and start from the, just understanding that, that lying, it's, it's part of the human condition. Now, here's a chart that was recently done, and I'd ask you, I'm not going to have you volunteer what your last lie was, but I just want you to think, like, last time you maybe were a little generous with the truth. We'll just say it this way. And this is why people lie. Number one reason is personal transgression. Number two is economic advantage. Number three is personal advantage. Number four is avoidance. Now, I, I do like this one. See if my cord is long enough here. I like this one here because there's always the I only lie to help people. Well, that's only 5% of the time. Or I, I, I lie, you know, just to be polite. That's only 2% of the time. So, so just think about, you know, a time where recently where you lied about something and, and, and see it on that chart and kind of where do you fall on that? And it's important to know that that is part of the human condition. Most deceit comes from covering up or trying to gain advantage. Just that simple. Trying to cover up or trying to gain advantage. And it's, and it's tough. Like, I, I know for me, sometimes I'll be talking and I'll get a little too enthusiastic, and all of a sudden, like, an exaggeration just kind of falls out of my mouth. Please tell me this happens to you folks, too. And I'm, like, trying to grab the word before it hits their ears and pull it back. And it never quite works. I mean, just crazy stuff. Like, oh, I just didn't, I didn't need to say it that way. I, I, I could have been far more accurate. So tr- that trying to be accurate, I think, is so incredibly important. And it's important as well to understand that, that in, this, in this pursuit of truth-telling that, that is about doing something, is about making the world a better place, we get to choose sort of the voice that we bring into the world. And I love this idea of a prophetic voice. Prophetic voice is really critical to understand. In the next slide, the prophetic voice is is all about how the world works. And and the prophetic voice, unwavering hope, painful review, it pulls the two together. And we can look at a prophetic voice kind of one of two ways. The first, negative, focused on, say the C word there for me, focused on complaining and projecting. So, So we complain about the world and we project all our problems onto other people. What else is complaining but projection? If I'm complaining, that means that I have put the problem out there. Can I give you folks just a little homework assignment here? Simple one. Get one of these little plastic bands, put it on your wrist. Every time you say a complaint, switch wrists. You'll be stunned in a bad way <laughs> because it's humbling how much of our lives. Like, folks, I work, I, work the, I do a lot of different things, and I know, and this is unfortunate. The easiest way to connect with someone is to share a complaint. Ouch. Right? And I'm in a lot of situations where I don't know anybody, and if I don't know you, but I know that I can share a complaint, I know we'll get along just fine. We have to learn to be something else than that. So going back to that slide again, we have, we have the positive, and then we have the positive. The positive prophetic voice is focused on hope and development. Folks, if if you're thinking that I have to tell someone the truth or I have to be truthful about something, I have to be honest, I have to use my voice, which is good to use your voice. You have a voice. You are supposed to use it. If it is, to go back again, if it is about complaining and projecting, it's not coming from the right place. If, on the other hand, going back again, it's about this hope thing, it's about this hope and this, this movement towards the future, then that's a, far more be- that's a far better voice to be in. Now, I want to give you guys an example, give you folks an example here, and I want us to see it and look at it and just think, oh, yeah, you know, I can see where these voices go together, and I, and I can see how easy it is to lapse into it. And, and, and see this story again under the context, Jesus is always asking us to do something, And until we're really honest and upfront and moving forward with hope and promise, it's hard to do. So this goes back, an old, old story. So this is the commandment, going way back to the Ten Commandments, way back at the beginning of the Bible. This is one of the first ten. I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to give you a little more context. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. In other words, the the day like today. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God on it you shall not do any work therefore the lord blessed the sabbath and made it holy and we kind of see two parts to this right if you read that and you take sort of a negative prophetic voice you stand in this place it's all about thou shalt not work thou shalt not work on a sunday well it would have been a saturday in the jewish tradition all about this negation all about the thou shalt not now, again, I'm not going to say that having no's is a bad thing. Having no's in our lives can actually be a really good thing. But if we live in that place and we think our prophetic voice in that place, that will give rise to a great deal of complaining because it's all about some legalism. But if we step over into a different place here where we see, again, it says the Lord blessed the Sabbath, made it holy, where we see instead see the blessing. And the holiness, that's a very different place to be. Thou shalt not versus blessing and holiness. See, in, in, in those pieces, folks, I think so much of church is, is, is trying to, like, draw those forward. As they come out for the second song, as the band comes out for the, for the middle song here, I want you to think about what what God is asking of us in staying in that place of hope as best we can, staying in that place of promise as best we can, staying out of the negative prophetic voice as best we can to step into the more positive prophetic voice as best we can. Because I think that's the all of me that God is asking. God's asking us to put our whole selves into that place. And when we come back, I want to tell you a story where Jesus says, yeah, here's how to do it. Here's how we move through it. You're good. good. All right. Excellent. So what I want to talk about here is is moving on to kind of how how this all works. I want to read a story from the Bible to you. And I want you to hear the negative voice and the positive voice. Right? And don't hear it out there as being like, Chuck's going to tell us about the bad Pharisees and good Jesus. You know, here it is like we have both these parts in us. We have both this very hypercritical voice, as well as this deeply positive voice as well. So hear that as part as part of this story. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath. So, again, we breeze through that. Does anybody know what picking up extra grain is called? Anybody know there's an actual word for it? It's called gleaning. So, and actually, in Jewish law, they were supposed to allow the extras just to lay on the ground. And here the disciples were hungry, and they're going out, and they're picking these up, and they're starting to eat them. And here the Pharisees go, no, 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 that's actual work. But wait, there was a commandment to leave it, and they're picking it up to eat it, and that's somehow wrong. Story goes on. He answered, have you read what David did when his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the unconsecrated bread. In other words, the tabernacle bread, which was not lawful to them. And just think, holy bread, they took part of the holy bread, and they shouldn't. have. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, and this is the key part to listen to. And, guys, I don't think we're getting it through the speakers here. We're getting it through the speakers. Okay. It, I don't, they're not getting it through the speakers. So just see if we, there we go. Excellent. Listen to these words, folks. If you had known what the word means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The word mercy, listen to this. The word mercy means womb-like mother love. That's a beautiful, beautiful way to see that word. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, Jesus has told him, I desire mercy. He went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason reason to accuse Jesus. The Pharisees asked him, is it lawful to hear on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep, it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Won't you take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it's lawful to do good. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out. and was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Now we see that bouncing back and forth to the voice. So I want to go back to that first passage that I read. And we're just going to look at a couple little parts. If you knew what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That goes back to the Old Testament. You would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Humanity is the Lord of the Sabbath. That idea, folks, that the Sabbath is about mercy, isn't that interesting? Like, he's making the connection. It's, Sabbath is not about law-keeping. It's about mercy. It's about, again, that, that Hebrew word that has this connotation of womb-like mother love, that, that gentle holding that is incredibly powerful. And then the story goes on to this next passage. Looking to accuse him, they asked, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Looking to accuse him, they asked, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They're not asking the question. They're telling the question. They want to trap him. In this crazy way, they want to trap him in this idea that somehow healing on the Sabbath is wrong. That is a clear distortion folks so much of life is this and I I think this is really critically important we can stand in a place right we can stand in a place where we really believe that there's this big division between loving God and loving other people and sometimes if I'm going to love God that means that I get to hurt other people be very careful if you ever use that logic Loving God, loving other people, one and the same. I mean, and, and this way, this truth telling works. Like one of the parts is just his stomach. You know, I love listening to books on tape. Right? I'm a junkie for that stuff. And I'm listening to this book, and it's a book written about World War II, Germany during World War II. It's written using letters from people who lived in Germany, and and they 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 have a lot of these letters are from Christians and from Protestants who who really believed that it was God's work. To perpetrate the Holocaust. They really believed it. How does that work? You know, German soldiers during World War II had a belt buckle that said something like under God's, God's grace or something. It was some, some reference to God on their belt buckle. That makes no sense. And, and, and that's one of those pieces, I think, that, that we need to really candidly look at, that, that we can use faith in a way where, where if we believe that there's loving God and there's loving people over here and we don't see the two as the same, that that can be a very dangerous, dangerous place to be. And, of course, Jesus wants to show people how to live something different. So the story goes on this way. If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, won't you lift it out? Now, now you, you, have, to, you have to sort of get the context of this picture here. So, so Jesus is, is in this environment. He's talking. And you can just picture Jesus. I always like to picture Jesus with a smile, by the way. And, and you can picture, like, the way Jesus might have said this. Go, if we go back to that line again. If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath... Won't you lift it out? Now, and I picture him doing that with a big old pregnant pause. Like, look, wait, 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 wait. So if you have a sheep, and remember, you're saying I shouldn't do any healing on this. Earth. If you have a sheep, and right in front of you, it falls into a ditch, are you really going to leave it in the ditch, or are you going to pull it out? Tell me, my friend, what are you going to do? I think that's where we have to smile and get... That Jesus was probably smiling as he said this. And these guys, of course, are trying to be very smart, as all guys try to be, and they're trying to ponder the deeper meaning of this. Well, there's no deeper meaning. Like the answer, like the answer as it sells, it just says itself. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? And it goes on. Next slide. So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. <laughs> That's that simple. So it's lawful to do good. That's what the law is. The law is to do good. The law is to do something. Now, in doing something, folks, it, it, it's that doing something is always challenging. I'm going to say a name here, and there's probably about three of you who know this name, and the rest of you, I would urge you, like, to, at some point in time to read her book. She, she just passed away, amazing author. How many of us are familiar with Rachel Held Evans? All right, I got three in there. She's amazing. Look at this beautiful quote from Rachel Held Evans. Imagine if every church became a place where everyone was safe but no one was comfortable. That's really good. That's really good. You know, I think that is so much the way a, a, a really functional church should be. It, it should be a place where everybody feels safe, but we're not feeling at all comfortable. Well, we're always asking, not from a frenetic place, but, but how do we bring more healing into the world? How do we look at this thing that is our Sabbath? Which I don't mean just a Sunday, I mean a lived Sabbath throughout the week. How do we look at this and just think, I, I know, I, I think I can do a little more. And we all help each other to figure that little more out. Not looking for the pastor or Angela to do it, but where we're in this conversation, where we're all figuring it out together. See, because the story goes on in a beautiful way. And Jesus is so much Jesus. Like he answers the question. Then he goes like, I know you're human. I know you have a hard time getting it. I'm going to show you. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. In other words, here were these these priests that were asking these questions. He goes back to their church, their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And what does he say? He says, if any of you has a sheep, and then he goes on to say to this man with the shriveled hand, stretch out your hand. Beautiful, beautiful line. This Stretch out your hand. In their church, as they're having this, congreg- this conversation, they're asking this question. This is part of the story you don't get to. You read it. Like literally they're having this, this story about healing in this, on the Sabbath. Just think of this, folks. And there's a guy sitting right there who's handicapped. Like right there. I mean, just just imagine that. Think about Jesus like standing right beside him. Here are the Pharisees. They're debating what healing looks like. And here's Jesus right beside this man with with this shriveled hand. That's incredibly powerful. Like they weren't making the connection. So Jesus does, and that hand gets stretched out, and that hand gets healed. Remember the Sabbath? Keep it blessed. Keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath? Keep it blessed. Keep it holy. Make it about healing. Beautiful, beautiful idea there. And and, you know, this is me just like I'm gonna be corny here for a second. Just, just give someone like a light high five around you somewhere. Just, so you can stretch your arm just for a second. There we go, blow it up, Jack. You got to blow up Bill right behind you. There we go, boom. You know, just, just that, just that little like that little like stretching out your hand, stretching out your hand. Think about that. The power in that moment, the grace in that moment, the peace in that moment, the love in that moment. No longer debating, but actually making a decision to simply do something. There's so many places where the sermon could veer right now. I'll just like, like, this is just a little aside. You know, we're going to New Jersey. I'm going to go to Ohio here for a second. Who are you supposed to stretch out a hand to? Who are you supposed to say, stretch out your hand? stretch out your hand because you're going to ask them to do that because they're going to reach back. They just need you to ask so you can do it. Just a little aside, something to think about this week. One of the real powerful parts, I think, from a new church Christian perspective, is a very simple line, an incredibly powerful line. I'm going to have you say one with a great deal of oneness here. Faith and caring are. Let's say that one more time. Faith and caring are. Faith and caring are one. Faith and caring are one. I said this last week, it bears repeating. From a new church perspective, churches, synagogues, nonprofits, you name it, any group begins to fold as soon as it says faith and caring are two different things. Faith and caring are actually one and the same. And getting ready for this service, I was, I was, I was reading an article and it was, it was talking about like, yeah, how do we, how do we bring these two things together? And one of, the, one of the things this author talked about was how we live in a call-out culture. So in other words, somebody does something on the Internet or wherever and we don't like it, and we believe we have to call out the bad behavior. Now, yes or no, do you need to do that on occasion? Yeah, you know, obviously, like, you you see somebody beating a puppy. I don't know. Like, you you see something. Of course, you have to call out immediately bad behavior. But if calling out becomes a habit, listen carefully, folks. If calling out becomes a habit, we're in trouble. Maybe we need to think of this. Calling into. Into. Call out, yeah, that's part of it, but, but what are we going to call people into? Not just to react, but, but trying to call people into something, trying to call people into responding out there into life in incredibly powerful ways. When we call people into something, all that is is calling out, but it's done with love. But it's done this time with love. There's so many examples of that that I that I think we need to keep coming back to. And we need to we need to keep on looking and being just aware of any kind of, of religious perspective that divides us, that makes clear lines between the good and the bad. That the you know, I'll go so far as to say this: between the saved and the unsaved. I mean, just even the word excommunicate is a really bad word. <laughs> You know, we have to understand that we're in this together. We have to understand that there's this call to greater things, and that's a big part of our need to do something. Now, I want to share with you a little story, and this story goes back years and years to close it. So I want to talk about just some place where I saw it. I think when New Church Lives started, probably about nine years ago, we went down to Ronald McDonald House. We went down there, and I was visiting with the family, and visiting with this family, I asked, well, what, what can we do? How can we give you a hand? And the lady said, well, you know, I'm here with my sick kid. I haven't had a chance to take my well kid uh, out back to school shopping. So I said, I have an Angela, and she would do really well with that. So Angela did back-to-school shopping with, with her and her family, a great moment. And we've stayed in touch. Uh, the, the mother's name is Joy on occasion. She actually comes back to New Church Live. And, uh, but we're, we're Facebook friends, and her, her son is part of this this group, part of this group called the Lucky Finn Project. Her, her son, who was at CHOP, has a, has a malformed, malformed hand. Now, the Lucky Finn Project, does anybody know what movie that comes from? Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo, that's it. comes from Finding Nemo. So, so this is the Lucky Finn Project. This was the, 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 capture, the screen capture of their homepage here, which I love. Lucky Finn project, celebrating the wonderfully made one Lucky Finn at a time. Now, wonderfully made is a reference to the Psalms there. It says what we do. And then at the very bottom, look at that last line. Can you oh sorry, get out of the way. Ten figures are overrated. You gotta love that. See, see, folks, ready for this? That's truth. Can we put that back up? Like, that's truth telling. That's truth-telling. Is that talking to hope? Yes or no? Yes. Is that talking to promise? Yes or no? Yes. It's not complaining. It's not critical. It's not shaming. It's not wondering whose fault is all this. It's saying that, that life is about healing and that we are here to do it together. So for this week... Think about where honesty can show up for you. Please, if in your mind what is going off, as Chuck says, this is my chance to finally tell them where it's at, you didn't get the message. The, mis- the message is not to tell them where it's at, the message is to call them into something and to tell them what it is, which is love, compassion, hope. Healing. Let's speak that way this week. Because, as the Gospel of John says, know the truth. And I would add this and speak that truth, and you will be this you will be free. Amen. So now I ask you to join me for our final prayer in this space until we're back home again next week. And then we're going to close with a song. It's a Beatles song that I would urge all of you, if you'd like, to please join us in singing as we close today's service. So please join me in a prayer. So Lord, thank you for your presence among us today. Thank you for your grace and your peace and your love. Thank you for being here with us today as well. Lord, help us in our own ways to find that pathway forward, to find a way to love, to care, to find a way to be closer to you, to find a way to be closer with each other. Lord, help us this week, help us this week to practice that kind of honesty, the kind of honesty that calls people into something, that doesn't call them out in shame, but calls them into the better angels of their nature remaining true to who you are and to who we are, and at the same time calling them into that third way. And thank you as always. Thank you for providing this space for us over this summer. Thank you for the many volunteers who worked so hard to make this happen. And Lord, thank you we get to go home again next week. Be with us over this week. Be with us in honesty. Be with us in truth. Be with us in hope. Be with us in promise in your name we pray amen thank you for listening you can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv